Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is prayer. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. My name is Pastor Amanda Zentalo, and it's my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, you brought this up on Ash Wednesday service as one of the Lenten disciplines. Exactly. So in Lent, which is the season that comes before Easter, mm-hmm. and it's a season that is made up of 40 days and then six Sundays. Mm-hmm. And a whole lot of giving stuff up if you're Catholic. And a whole lot of giving stuff up if you're Catholic. The traditional disciplines of this season are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Mm-hmm. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at those with a brief hiatus in there to talk about St. Patrick. Of course. Because there's an important day coming up. In the meantime, we're going to start with prayer. And this one is one of those disciplines that I think people think should be harder than it might actually be. Okay. So now are we talking just saying a prayer by yourself or are we talking like I'm praying five Hail Marys because again, with my Catholic upbringing, you go to confession, you're given a list of prayers. Where are we falling in this particular discipline? Yes. Okay. It can be all of those things. And it can be something completely different. I think that's part of what is a big deal with prayer is that oftentimes people that I've spoken to throughout my ministry feel like prayer has to be a specific thing. And maybe that's coming from, we see Catholic representations of faith quite a bit on TV and things like that. And so sometimes I think we equate the rosary Yep. And saying the Lord's Prayer and saying Hail Marys with what prayer should be or kneeling by our bedside and saying nighttime prescripted prayers. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there are a lot of folks who either haven't grown up in church or, or who have who think that this is the only way that prayer can be. That is one way that prayer can be. But prayer is a whole lot bigger than just about anything in our lives. Prayer can be truly anything. What prayer is, is prayer is finding a way to connect to the divine. Okay. Whether you're saying words or you're singing or you're dancing or you're creating art, there's a a million different ways that you can come into some kind of an understanding of a relationship with the divine. So you're not even talking just words. No, I don't. You're speaking bigger than that. I do. Because I think of prayer for myself when I am praying the most. Singing is probably one of the most substantial parts of my prayer practice. Okay. In my first call, right after I arrived there, I got really, really, really sick. I got like pneumonia sick and lost my singing voice for nine months. Wow. And so anyone who is familiar with my ministry knows that singing is actually a pretty important part of my ministry. It is. It's something that people really enjoy hearing me sing and I use it a lot in my ministry. So I lost my voice for almost a full year and couldn't sing above a C on staff. Like it was gone. And that's when I realized just how much I rely on singing for my ability to connect with the divine. And I particularly use Jennifer Knapp's music. If anyone knows Jennifer Knapp, highly recommend her if you don't know her. 
She's a woman who was a rising Christian artist in the late 90s, early 2000s, took some time off and has recently returned back into the music scene. She's actually coming to Portland in just a couple of weeks. I'm totally going. She's nice. amazing. But her music, her early music especially, was some Christian music that I could listen to and didn't hate. <laughs> That's probably a really horrible way to say it. No, there is a lot of bad Christian music out there. There's nothing wrong with repetitive faith music, right? That's another way to pray is repetitive repetition. repetition and repetitive chants and things like that. It's been used for centuries. But her music really tells a beautiful story. And so I lean into these songs that she's written. And without my singing voice, I couldn't pray anymore in some ways. That's how it felt to me. So I understand we get locked into thinking of prayer as being only one thing, but it's a whole lot of different things. Prayer can be the collect on Sunday morning, which is that opening prayer of the day. Okay. And what that prayer does is it's right at the beginning of our worship service and it's pre-written. It's a prayer that's published in the front of our hymnal. And we use the same one year after year after year for that specific day of readings. And all across the country, thousands of others are using that same prayer. And what I love about that is that it collects us into the same prayer thought into the same space and place, no matter where we are in the country. And so that purpose of that prayer in our worship service is to collect us all together and let us be of one mind, which is beautiful. And even if people don't recognize that's what's going on, I don't really care. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Because I like the idea of it, right? So that's a kind of formal prayer that we know of. And then there are the prayers of the people, Later in the worship service where Mm -hmm. people pray about different things, but even those are more prescripted than people realize, I think. There's a whole tradition as to what goes into those prayers and why they're in the order that they're in and how they are used. And then there's the kind of prayer that's just you and your car taking a big old deep breath and sighing Mm -hmm. and being exhausted at the end of the day and thinking that you don't have it within you to make it through the rest of your day. And you heave a big sigh and there are no words and there's no one else to hear it but God. And that is prayer. Is prayer something that spans all religions? It's just a hand in hand thing. If you're religious, prayer is part of it. I think that if we interpret the word prayer as being intentional connection with the divine in some way, yeah. Okay. I think it is. I mean, it it might be in the form of meditation or it could take all different forms. Well, especially if you're going to say that prayer can come in many other ways than just a written or spoken word, then I think you kind of have to go down that road. I'm nodding. But on radio, (laughs) on audio, that's so not going to translate. Not so much. (laughs) But yeah, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. Okay, going back to something like the Our Father or the Hail Mary. When I was growing up, part of my training was I had to memorize all these things. The Lutherans, I don't think, have quite the same by rote understanding of prayers because I don't remember my son having to memorize as much as I did. Or anything for that matter. Well, part of that is generational. Okay. And there are Lutherans, even of your generation, who would say that they did have things to memorize. Okay. And they memorized the small catechism. And I think we've done a podcast on what the small catechism is, if people want to go back and find that. And 
young confirmands used to have to memorize the small catechism. But yeah, but I want to specifically talk about the prayers. Prayers. We don't do that. Well, we use the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. which is the Our Father. We use the Lord's Prayer in our worship on a weekly basis because it's a part of the liturgy of communion. Mm -hmm. And so that prayer gets used regularly and is memorized by most people. I would hazard a guess that most Christian religions, that is kind of the standard. Even if you're not religious, you would know what the Lord's Prayer was. And and have a passing reference to it. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And I think that what gets tossed around sometimes is when it's a different translation so there's a traditional translation that has been used for a very long time in the United States and North America. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy yep, kingdom come. one I remember learning. Right. And then they changed it, and now I can't do the Our Father without reading it because I mix them up. <laughs> so the contemporary one, Our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name, your kingdom come, your will be yep. done. It's just enough different yep. that it can get kind of bumbly and confusing. Yep. And different parishes use different translations. Some use the contemporary and some use the traditional. And then some even play with it some more and use even more contemporary translations or play with it in some ways. And sometimes it gets set to music. Mm -hmm. There's a really lovely setting of music that we've used here at Central and that I used a lot in my previous congregation that is just a lovely setting. So there's lots of ways that the Lord's Prayer can be done. Mm Mm-hmm. 90% of the time in a North American Christian church, you're going to hear it, Our Father who art in heaven. Mm -hmm. It's a critical prayer. It's an important prayer. Do you know where it comes from? I have no idea. So in the last couple weeks here at Central, I've been doing this cross-stitched sermon series where for a month we looked at Matthew chapter 5 and the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Ash Wednesday's scriptures... Start at Matthew 6, verse 1, which is the very next section Okay. after the end of these cross-stitched verses that I was preaching about. And there were verses missing in what we read on Ash Wednesday, okay. and that's the Lord's Prayer. Oh, interesting. So Jesus actually is the one, the disciples come to Jesus and say, teach us how to pray. Because he's saying this whole section in the beginning of Matthew about when you pray, don't do it like people who want a lot of attention. Go into your own house stay quiet and God who sees you in secret will reward you in secret. And when you fast, don't make yourself look like you're really, really miserable and dying like the (laughs) hypocrites do. (laughs) Wash your face, make your hair look good, (laughs) get dressed and do your fasting in secret so that your God who is in secret will see you and reward you in secret. And the same thing then with almsgiving. When you give gifts, don't do it so that everybody can see how generous you are. Do it in secret. Well, a part of that whole passage is when you pray, don't do it with trumpets and gongs so everyone can see you. And the disciples come back and say, well, then how should we pray? Oh, man, this all sounds like he was Midwestern. (laughs) Very (laughs) reserved. Don't let anybody know. This is where the Midwest, some of the Midwestern piety comes from. I get that now. Is this exact, these exact verses in chapter six of the Gospel of Matthew. And so the disciples ask, how are we supposed to pray? And Jesus says, this is how you pray. Abba, God, Father. And it's not formal father, but it's daddy. Oh, really? Yeah. The Aramaic word would be Abba, which is daddy. Very intimate. That is so 
different from especially a lot of the musical versions. They're so heavy and so formal. Right? And this is Daddy in Heaven. Your name is so holy. Hallowed be your name. And then he leads you through this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. So this pulling of the kingdom of God into the present day, right here, right now. Make that happen right here, right now. Give us today our daily bread. And the word daily bread is epiusion bread in the Greek, and it's the only time that word exists in the Greek scriptures, so we don't actually know how to translate it because there's no other context. Oh, weird. So it gets translated as daily bread, like a daily ration okay. of bread, but we don't actually know for sure what that word means. Hmm. And so Jesus walks you through, like when you're praying, pray for these things, pray for God's kingdom to be a reality in the world, pray that everyone would have enough, pray that you can forgive each other and that you recognize that you've been forgiven, pray to be protected. Now I'm noticing there's no pray for me to win the lottery. So somehow he has gone from the Old Testament of we're really hungry here in the desert. Moses, help us out to getting manna to pray for everybody else in silence and don't let anybody else know what you're doing. Well, except that when we have give us our day, our daily bread, for all we know, that could be a manna reference. True. Right. So give us what we need for the day, which is what manna was. But this understanding that it's this like we see a lot in prayer of that. God, give me mm-hmm. God I want help me to win my game, mm-hmm. help me to win the lottery, give me everything. And it it's not that those things are wrong okay. to pray for, because I don't believe that there's actually anything wrong to pray for. You can pray for anything. doesn't mean God's going to happen. And doesn't mean that it's going to benefit you to pray for it. Mm-hmm. But you can talk to God about anything. Okay. And you can connect with God about anything. So if you really want to pray to God about you know, winning the lottery and never having another day of money worries in your life, you can absolutely do that. Do I think that it's necessarily going to bring about God giving you the lottery wins? I don't, because I don't think God works that way. Mm -hmm. You know, prayer, as much as we might want it to be a demand list to the Almighty, it's much (laughs) more of a conversation with someone who loves you. That's what I always found so fascinating about the Old Testament, though, especially when they are in the desert with Moses. It really does seem to be more of a, we're really hungry. All right, here's your bread. We really need thirsty. Okay, here's something to drink. And there's New Testament scripture also that says anything you ask of God, God will deliver. God will give you. So like what you ask for is what you're going to get. Uh-huh. So I hear that. And especially in the Old Testament, there's lots of like really strong language. Mm-hmm. We don't say, hey, if you wouldn't mind, <laughs> it'd be, be really swell. Nice. If you might, pretty please. It's really like, give us today our daily bread. Mm-hmm. Even in the Lord's Prayer, it's absolutely put in the vocative, put in the command form of the verb. Do these things for us. And it's really demanding in our language. So I hear you that demand and that kind of piece is there. I don't think that it is that God delivers less on God's promises now. I think that the miracle of manna 
and the miracle of the answered prayers that we read about in the Old Testament are so lifted up because they were miracles. Okay. I think there were a lot of other prayers that went unanswered. Fair enough. But that these were so huge that they were written down, that they became intertwined into the very DNA of what it means to believe in God. That we believe that people had nothing to eat and God provided them with something every single day. That that's what we believe in when we talk about believing in the manna in the wilderness. All right. So if everything and anything can be a prayer and there's no right or wrong way to do it. I'm so Lutheran. How do you do it? <laughs> you just start you speaking in your head? You can. Okay. You can. Everyone can make fun of everybody else's way of praying. Well, right? yeah, that's it, the way the world works. <laughs> it, it's really easy to make fun of everybody else's way of praying. For some folks, they might make fun of gracious, glorious, wondrous God, hold us in your light and walk us in your grace, right? Those are all words that I say a lot when I pray. Mm -hmm. Someone else could totally make fun of, Lord, I just want to come to you today and I just want you to know that <laughs> that I, I'm looking for new shoes and I just want the new shoes to be shoes that are going to bless the way that I walk and I just know that you're <laughs> going to be able to, you know, and, and we can mock that. We can mock how many times someone says the name Jesus in a prayer. So Jesus, I was with you today and I just, Jesus, want you to Jesus be with me and Jesus hold me tight and Jesus walk in my path. And there's a, a trillion, as many ways to pray as there are people on this planet. And as many ways to pray as the animals are on this planet, mm -hmm. right? I just want to say <laughs> that talk. You don't even have to say words. Think of images. Breathe deeply. And think of the things on your heart that are heavy or are joyful or are hard or are confusing and hold them in whatever way that you can hold them well and invite the divine into that with you. You know, if doing that is to go pick up some clay and to mold things with your hands and to ponder how God and the Spirit can be with you in that molding of that shaping of that clay, then that is prayer. And that can be powerful and that can be okay. And I know also that sometimes, though, that loosey-goosiness that I'm saying this with can be really hard for some folks, and they really want tools, and they really want to know how to do this right. Sometimes being told to pray five Hail Marys is the easy way. Sometimes it's the hard way. I mean, I look at the Muslims and the praying five times a day and the making sure you're pointed the right direction. That looks hard. <laughs> and that's discipline. That is devotion. That is discipline and devotion. And there are prescribed prayers and there's prescribed ritual to that that then gives you that opportunity to reset in your day over and over again and to reset and to put yourself back into the space where you're remembering that the divine is what has given you these things. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful practice. It is a lot of devotion mm -hmm. and it's a lot of discipline to be able to do it. Some of the tools that I like to give to folks who are kind of struggling with how do I pray and how do I do these things some folks like tangible objects mm -hmm. with which to pray. So rosary beads and your Hail Marys and your Our Fathers. It's a classic. Right? You can make prayer beads in any way, shape, or form that you want. You can own rosary beads even if you're not Catholic? Absolutely. And I own a set of Buddhist prayer beads. 
and I'm not Buddhist. Mm -hmm. The way that I use those, is there something tangible to help focus my thoughts? Mm -hmm. And then I honestly use them oftentimes when I'm really anxious with Lady Julian's words, all will be well and all will be well and all will be well and all will be well. And I just keep going around that circle and every bead reminds me that all will be well. And I have hours of that in those beads so that when I'm really anxious, if I wear them on my wrist, I can feel those hours of calming prayer. Hmm. So prayer beads are something that you absolutely can use without having to be Catholic. Sometimes jewelry, people will wear specific jewelry mm -hmm. in order to remind themselves of some kind of prayer. So there's the Catholic medallions mm -hmm. with the saints on them. Mm -hmm. St. Christopher's popular one. There you go. I have one that has the Holy Spirit on it. And it says, Holy Spirit, guide us. So on days when I know that the congregation is talking about hard things or that I'm trying to lead in a way that I feel like I'm on the edge with and I don't know exactly how I'm going to go forward, I put that on and it, it's like wearing a prayer all day long because I can feel that just right at my heart, holding me tight and trusting in that sense that all day long, I'm just praying for the Holy Spirit to come and be super duper present with me that day so that I can lead us in the right way. I may never say those words, but when I choose to put that on in the morning, mm -hmm. that's the prayer and that's the prayer through the whole day. I wear a ring on my right hand that is a small row of black diamonds and a row of increasing white diamonds. Mm -hmm. And it's to remind me the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. And it's a constant prayer. So when I see it, I remind myself to be looking for the light. I pray to be given the strength in the eyes to see the growing light and not to just focus on the darkness all the time. So you can use little tools like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of my jewelry is very intentional. I'll say that about just who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. My jewelry is almost always extremely intentional and almost always tied to prayer in one form or fashion. So that's another way that you can pray. When it comes to books, you can find some really awesome books out there that are filled with dozens and dozens of different prayers prayers of different saints, poems that are prayers, all that kind of thing. So you can go online and go to Amazon or go to your local bookstore is even better mm -hmm. and find a book of prayers. One of the tools that I love to use with young people praying mm -hmm. is what we call the PTA. Okay. And I have to say that my Manga Messiah class loves their PTA time. And we might record it a time or two because they're just loving it. So the PTA prayer, and this comes from Rich Melheim's work around confirmation stuff. He's a great guy who's done some really brilliant stuff around confirmation in the last decade. And it's the praise, thank, and ask. Okay. So loving and gracious God, today we praise you for... And then the kids just popcorn out whatever they're thinking of. Okay. So in our crew, oftentimes it's... Video games, parents, <laughs> parents sense. are in there. No way. Totally. Video games, family, parents, roller derby, theater, all those things kind mm -hmm. of pop up. Tonight, we thank you for, and oftentimes the same things that are being praised for are being thanked for, but sometimes it's a little different. Sure. So maybe it's food and snow and all kinds of different things. And then today we ask you for... 
and then they pop up with whatever they ask for on that day. And some of their asks would just blow you away. They're quick and it's they're not straight off. A's. It's not the win the lottery teenage no. style. Some of them are. Sure. For sure. Because they're normal people. And some of them are world peace, just tossed off. But then it's strong and safe leadership. Oh, interesting. It's for people to be kind to other people. I can't give specifics because I don't want to betray the trust. But they're really, really powerful what these kids can just toss up there if you give this space for it. Mm -hmm. And then do a great big rousing. You know, as the pastor, I don't react a whole ton because they're watching for my reactions to the prayers. And I want to give permission that you can pray for anything. Sure. And you can say anything in prayer, even if it's not pretty. You get to say anything in prayer. And so I don't give a huge ton of reaction. And then every time I just end it the same way for all these things and everything else that you know that we need, we lift up these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ and let the people of God say, and then we all shout, amen. Nice. So that PTA popcorn prayer is even something you could do around your dinner table with your family, right? As the leader, keeping it light and keeping it kind of silly helps younger people not have the same hangups that we might have around what is good or bad or proper about prayer mm-hmm. and gives them the opportunity to understand that they get to say anything to God and it's really okay. So I love that tool. That's a great tool. Excellent. One final tool that I just thought of to share are prayer shawls. And this oh, has become, I think I have one. Okay. This has become a growing ministry, especially for knitters, crocheters, yarn workers, fiber crafts people mm-hmm. to make prayer shawls for people. And in some ways, it's just the act of the crocheting or knitting it that is the prayer. And while you're doing this work, oftentimes you may have a specific recipient in mind mm-hmm. and be giving it to them for a specific reason. And it's given to the person in a way of wrapping them up in prayer and comfort and hope and love. And they are sometimes made for specific people. Sometimes people are just making them and giving them to a church, trusting that they're going to find the right home at the right place in the right time. Mm -hmm. As a recipient of prayer shells predominantly from my mother, I will say that it's just a beautiful way of feeling prayer, like actually tangibly touching prayer. Because the time that gets poured into a handmade craft, whether Mm -hmm. that's a shawl or a lap blanket or a quilt, whatever it is that the fiber artist has created, that ability to wrap yourself up in their time and their dedication and their thought of you, maybe it's just because I know what it means to make one of those things. Uh I've made them myself, so I know how much time and effort goes into them. That's another beautiful tool. So if you're someone who likes to do kind of things in action... And you don't think that just sitting still to pray is going to suit you well, but you're a fiber artist, then thinking about making something for someone who maybe they're walking with depression or they're receiving cancer treatment or whatever reason that they, you might want to give them something to wrap themselves up in support, that is another way of being able to pray. Excellent. Okay, last question. Is there any time you've come across something out in the world pop culture-wise where they're using prayer in a way that you're like, oh, wish you hadn't have done that. I think whenever it creates a form of abuse towards a person. Okay. I believe that God creates us all exactly as we are, beautiful and well. And so to pray for someone to no longer be LGBTQ 
I think is abusive. Mm -hmm. So anytime prayer is used to manipulate or to shame a human being Mm -hmm. or to make someone feel badly about themselves or to try to fix something that isn't broken in someone, that pisses me off. Fair enough. And I actually last night slash this morning had a horrible nightmare that I was in a situation where I was leading a worship service and there was a large group of people who came and were praying in a way that was extremely harmful. And I was just, I was livid and I woke up in a horrible mood (laughs) today because of just that exact scenario of people being prayed for in a way that was just abusive. So I think that prayer can be used in an abusive manner and in a way that can be manipulative and can be harmful and can be really awful. So I will say that if you have ever experienced prayer being used towards you in that way, you know, best friend of mine, someone prayed that they would go to hell or be free of their demon, right? Awful things. I don't think that's prayer. I think that's propaganda. And I think that that's a form of abuse. So prayer is about communicating with the divine in constructive ways. Mm -hmm. You can pray for yourself in those ways if that works for you, but keep it off of other people. That's how to make me angry. (laughs) All right. Good to know. Uh Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about prayer. I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us for this week's Church Basement Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and you can always find us on our website at www.centralportland.org. Thank you for listening and for being a part of this community. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at centralportland.org or find us on Facebook. Like our page, start up chat. We would love to see more of you around there. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>